Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you very much. Lord, I thank you, sir, that you're here. Lord, we welcome you here. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would fill us, Lord, and teach us and encourage us, Lord. I ask for your strength. Lord, I pray for your spirit. Lord, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. I pray that we would hear, Lord. Lord, I thank you that everyone who asks receives. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. Thank you for your holy angels that are here. Lord, I thank you that nothing's impossible for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I'm going um, to run, uh, run through the scriptures this morning. Uh, I got a lot to say, and, uh, and we will uh, we'll see what you think. I'm starting in Joshua chapter 18. Joshua chapter 18, and I just want to share with you, what, what I like to do is, is share what I'm eating from, what, what's giving me food, and, and this is a scripture that has been challenging me and, and, and speaking to me, and so I'm sharing to you what I'm going through right now, and it's, it's Joshua chapter 18 and verse 1. Now, let me tell you the story real quick. Joshua, remember, was children of Israel came through the promised land. Um, uh, children of Israel came out of Egypt into the promised land and, gov- and, and the general, Joshua, you know, led the armies of Israel and conquered cities. And we're to chapter 18 of Joshua. So this is after the great wars, many of the great wars of the promised land. So they're in the promised land. And at this time of the 12 tribes, seven of the tribes had not entered into their inheritance. So seven of the tribes were living on the land of their brother, or brother tribes. And just here's the scripture. If you look at 18, verse 1, Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. Just a parenthesis, if you want a trivia question, where was the first place in the promised land that the tent of Moses was permanently established? It's Shiloh. This is where it is, Shiloh. Um, there remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So get the picture. There were seven tribes that were living with and on, on the land of the other tribes. So five of the tribes had, 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 had their, their land given to them. Seven had not. They were living on their brother's land. And Joshua asked this question. Remember, Joshua was a type of Jesus. Joshua asked this question in verse 3. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long will you wait, is the question. How long will you wait? And this is the question that I've been meditating on because Joshua is a type of Jesus. The children of Israel are a type of us. The promised land is a type of of our land in Christ. And and get this, and there are believers like this. We have brothers and sisters that live their life off the crumbs of their brothers and sisters. In other words, they don't directly live in the inheritance. They live off people who live in the inheritance, right? And so Joshua said, stop living off your brother's land. You have land to live in. You have land to live in. And so the question is, how long will you wait until you enter in to the inheritance. How long will you wait? Let me just parentheses. I'm James's brother, Robert. He's out of town, so you're not having like 
3D deja vu. Um, but great to be here. Thank you. So how long will you wait? That's what I'm talking about. And, and it's talking about entering in the inheritance. And so this morning, we're going to run through a bunch of scriptures about the inheritance, the inheritance. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 is one of my many favorite scriptures. But Acts 26 is when Paul appeared before King Agrippa. And Paul, before King Agrippa, told the, the most complete story of what happened on the road to Damascus. This is one of the most important scriptures in the New Testament in the sense that the entire gospel is in this passage. And I believe, frankly, this is the core of how Paul received a lot of the revelation was what Jesus said on the road. Um, but uh, I'll just tell you, just to give you a little hint. Remember when he said he came to the right light and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Get that. What happened, and, and Saul could say, wait a minute, I never hit you. I never persecuted you. But what Jesus said is, Paul, when you slap a Christian on earth, you are touching me in the heavenlies. And I believe that was the seed for the revelation of the body of Christ. I mean, just that's how powerful this passage is, is that Paul could meditate and say, I was persecuting believers, and yet Jesus said I was persecuting him. We must be connected to him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We are the body of Christ. It's just, it, I'll tell you, this is like, it's, it's deep. This whole passage is deep. There's, there's tons of revelation in this little passage that Jesus talked to Paul about. But check this out. And, and we're talking about the inheritance. Acts 26 and verse 18. I want you to see this. The Lord told Paul to say two things, to preach two things, that two things, I want you to just remember two things that they're to receive. Yes, ma'am. Two things. Just remember this. Verse 26. He says to open their eyes. This is Jesus talking to Paul. So that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive. Listen, they're receiving what? Two things. Forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. They're to receive an inheritance. An inheritance among those that are sanctified by faith in me. Check that out. That phrase, sanctified by faith in me, is rich. That's, that's part of how Paul got the revelation of the gospel. But, but the two things we want to talk about, remember, forgiveness of sins, but Paul also said to preach that they will receive an inheritance. Now, quickly, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me just remind you. Jesus said on the road to Damascus, Paul, go and preach to the Gentiles. They are to receive two things, forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, just, I just want to remind you of this. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. Remember Paul wrote in Ephesians and he says, um, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his trespasses. Forgiveness. There's the forgiveness part of it. But look at verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Forgiveness, inheritance. Look at Colossians real quick. We're going to just run through a few of these. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. Paul writes and says, In whom, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But go two verses up to verse 12. Look at verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1. He says that giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Paul remembered he preached forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. If you want to do a Greek study, that word inheritance in Colossians 1.12 is the exact same Greek word that's in, in Acts 26. It's the inheritance. Here's, a, here's kind of a hidden scripture that I, that I didn't know was there. Titus 3 and verse 7. Titus 3, 7. 
Titus 3, 7, it says, so that being justified by his grace, there's that idea of forgiveness, justified by his grace, we would be made heirs. There it is again. Forgiveness, justification. Justification is more than forgiveness. It's also being made righteous, but it's also that we're heirs. So we're talking about the inheritance, and we started the, the study. Joshua asked the children of Israel, and when they were in the promised land, Joshua 18, there were seven tribes that had not entered into the land. They had not entered into their inheritance. And Joshua said, Jesus said to us, how long will you wait to enter into the inheritance? That's what's challenging me. And so my prayer, and what we're talking about this morning is, Lord, what part of my, the inheritance am I not possessing? See, that's what I, that's, that's what, what, see, forgiveness of sins, but there's also the inheritance, okay? That's what we, that's what we're talking about. Okay, the first thing now, we're going to run this morning, okay? First of all, this is awesome. Start with Jesus. Did you know there's a scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one, this is so much fun, isn't it? Hebrews chapter one. I don't have much time, so we're going to go. I I only get to talk to y'all like once a decade, so you're going to hear a lot. (laughs) Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter 1, do you know this is in here? Check this out, verse 2. It's talking about Jesus. It said, in those day, in these days, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. Listen to this phrase. Whom he appointed heir of all things. First thing I want you to focus on is, this is so cool. Jesus is the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of of all things. Great scripture, great testimony of John the Baptist. I'm not going to go there. Let me just quote it to you. John chapter 3. Remember John 3, 16? Well, follow on to the, it's in my Bible, it's like around here, but follow on to the, the, the end of the chapter and you have John, John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And John said this, the father loves the son and has given him all things. Get this. See, forget it. Before we talk about our inheritance, we need to focus on everything's about Jesus, right? You need to focus about him. Meditate. Not, don't meditate on your inheritance. Meditate on his inheritance because we're going to talk about it in a second. You're heirs with him, right? But first of all, Jesus is the heir of all things. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. Get this, John chapter 11. It's just hidden, but it's so cool. John, you remember when Jesus washed the disciples' feet? Remember that? John, the, the, the writer John, different John right now, says this at verse, chapter 13 of John, 13, 2. It says, during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus, get this, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, served. Jesus is the heir of all things. And let me just remind you of some scriptures. Remember Philippians? Because he humbled himself, became like a servant, and died on the cross. Therefore, God, even our God, has given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, right? Every knee shall bow. He's lifted him and highly exalted him. Psalm 110, one of my favorite psalms. David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Remember that? Remember? He's the heir. Jesus himself is the heir of all things. You just got to see that. You got to meditate on that. All things are his. Jesus is the heir of all things. Now, let me, let me tell you a revelation. This has been, has been a revelation to me. And I will tell you, I'm still eating off of it. And I, and I will tell you, it will give you life. John chapter 11. I know we're running fast, but we're going to do this. John chapter 11. Jesus is the heir of all things. Remember Lazarus? Remember when Martha 
met Jesus and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, he'd have lived. It's in John 11 and verse 21. And she said, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it. It's verse 23 now. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to her, to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. All right, now let me share with you my, the revelation that's been feeding me. And, and, it's, and let me give you it in my words. Jesus said in response to that, Martha, everything you believe about me in the future is true about me now. I am the resurrection and the life now. I will tell you there is a risk. There is a risk among believers to have your faith in the future because the future will never come because tomorrow there's a future. You've got to believe that Jesus is the heir of all things now. I am the resurrection life. Because see, Martha had great theology, bad timing. Martha was like, I know you can do it tomorrow. And if you do that, we will go to the grave and always believe in the future. We need to bring the future into the present. Because you know what? That's where God is. So when we talk about Jesus is the heir of all things, he is the heir now. You need to see that I am the resurrection of life. I can do anything. Anything you believe about Jesus in the future is true about him now. I tell you, it'll, it'll rock your world. You know what I tell you? This is one of the doorways into the miraculous. Because if you believe in the future, the future never comes. Okay, now, we talked about Jesus being the heir of all things. And, you know, we already know this, but it's good to hear it again. Romans chapter 8. And if it weren't in the Bible, you wouldn't believe it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. It says, first of all, 16. You've got to hear Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. How do you know that you're a believer? The Holy Spirit whispers into your spirit and says, you're a son, you're a daughter. If the Spirit is not doing that, then test yourself, man, because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's what the old saints used to call the witness of the Spirit. That's verse, verse 16. 17 says, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. As amazing as it may seem, y'all, we are heirs with him. We are heirs with him. Galatians is in there too. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. Let me just read it because we're going to run. It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You, if you can receive it. Remember, Paul was told by Jesus himself in Acts, tell them to receive Forgiveness and the inheritance. If you can receive it, you are an heir with the heir of all things. Um, turn to, to Hebrews chapter 9 because I want you to see it in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. Let me just tell you this while we're turning that. You know that if, many of you may have a will, you know, a last will and testament. You know, it's just old English words. Last will, what you want to do. And testament is just the old English word for covenant. It's your last covenant. It's the last agreement that I make with the world. Last will. It's, you know, the Bible has a New Testament and an Old Testament covenants. Well, one of the ways you understand the new covenant is that it is the will or the last 
will. It has the effect of the last will. And I'm just not making this up. It's actually in the Bible. Look at, at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. It says, For this reason, He, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, 9.15, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal, there's that word again, inheritance. Now, look at this little thing. He kind of digresses and talks about this. He says, for where a covenant is, now he's talking about a will, a last will and testament. He says, where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. Makes sense, right? I'll just tell you, if you have a will right now, you can make another one tomorrow. You, actually, you can actually go home right now and make another one because you can have as many wills as you want to. In fact, most well-drafted wills, one of the first things it says is, I revoke all prior wills, right? And you know, sometimes with wealthy people like Howard Hughes or whatever, when they die, there's a will fight. Usually what that happens is, is that there's multiple wills and, you know, the, the, the daughter thinks she's in the will, but then the nurse who took care of Howard for the last six months got friendly with him and was, was helped him and whatever, and she became in the will. And so there's a fight between the wills. And you know what? You can keep making wills every day if you want to, right? And, and, but I will tell you when you stop making wills, <laughs> when you die. Look what it says. 9 and verse 16, for where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant or a will is valid when? Only when the men are dead. That's when it's put in place. For it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Now, normally when a person dies, right, you're dead, okay, obviously. And you're not around to administer your will. So what you do is you usually hire a, a lawyer or you hire a relative and you make them the executor or executrix, right? either man or woman, and they are the administer of the will or the mediator of the will. And, but see, our Jesus both died and put his will in place and is, look at verse 15, for this reason, he is the mediator of the will. He himself is the executor of his own will. Let me tell you this story. I don't remember where I read it, but many years ago, I read one of these little Christian books, whatever. And the story was of a Chinese lady that was going to a home church in the middle of the night. It was illegal. And she got stopped by the authorities. And so she did one of those quick prayers because she didn't want to lie, right? She didn't feel comfortable lying to the authorities. But they said, where are you going? Check this out. She did one of those quick prayers. And this is the wisdom God gave her. She said, my elder brother has died. And I'm going for the reading of the will. (laughs) Let me tell you, you need to grab onto this. Your elder brother has died. And you know what I'm doing today? I am reading the will. And you're in it. That's what it means to be an heir. You are in the will. You are in the will. Let me show you. Again, if this were not in the Bible, you wouldn't believe it. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And as we go there, let me just tell you another scripture. Peter says in 2 Peter that, that God, through his many precious promises, has given us, remember, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. All things. Sounds like what he inherited, right? Um, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And while we're going there, let me just share this scripture with you. My brother and I were, um, surprised, preaching to each other yesterday. 
as we're waiting. And he shared with me this scripture that I, I you know, hadn't forgotten. Let me just share his verse. Here's, here's his guest appearance of the, the class. John chapter 16. He said, oh, oh, listen to this. John 16, 15. He said, remember, this is what Jesus said. He said, get this. This is so hot. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. He's the heir of all things. All things that he has are mine. Then Jesus continues and says, Therefore I say to you, the Spirit takes of mine and reveals to us. He shows us the inheritance. But listen, listen, John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and we're running. This is the great vision of the Ancient of Days. If you've never read it, go read it. John chapter 7. First thing that happens is Daniel sees these four animals coming out of the water. Okay, those are four kings. He learns about that later. But then he says, I kept looking, and I saw the Ancient of Days. I saw great white, great throne, saw the ancient of days. Millions were ministering to him, right? Remember that? Saw the ancient of days. And then he says, I kept looking. And then over here, I saw one like the son of man coming with the clouds to the ancient of days. Okay, remember that? He says, saw the ancient of days and I saw the son of man. Let me just read you that. He says, I kept looking. This is 713 of Daniel. I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven. Remember what Jesus said to the, the high priest? Jesus said to the high priest, he said, the high priest said, are you the son of the blessed one? And he said, I am. And henceforth, you will see the son of man coming in the clouds. He was quoting Daniel 7. He says, I am the son of man in Daniel 7. And he says, oh, I got to tell you this. This is so neat. You remember that time when the high priest prophesied in John and John said he didn't know what he was doing when he was prophesying? I believe this is the truth. I've never read anywhere, but I think it's the truth. Y'all, there's only one time in history when the earthly high priest and the heavenly high priest met face to face. It was in the Sanhedrin trial. And what happened was, is the earthly high priest of the old covenant came to the high priest of the new covenant, and, and he confronted him. And when Jesus declared, I am the son of man, do you know what the high priest of the earthly covenant did? He resigned. He took off his garments. He, churned, he, he tore his garments. He thought he was doing it in blasphemy. God thought he was doing it because he was ending his office. He was over because the real high priest had come. That's neat. Anyway, John, the ba- John, okay, look at this. He saw the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days and one like a Son of Man was coming and he came up to the Ancient of Days and look, it was presented to him. What was presented to him? He's the heir of all things. Presented to him glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and men in every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Everything was given to him. All right, now, if this were not in the Bible, you would call me a heretic, but it's in the book. Check this out. Verse 15, as Daniel was confused, he says, my spirit was distressed within me, verse 15. The visions of my mind kept alarming me, verse 16. So he approached somebody in the vision. In the vision, he found somebody. Apparently, it was an angel. He grabbed an angel and said, what does this mean? Look, it's in the Bible. Verse 16. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Verse 17. He said, those are the beasts of the four kings. I didn't read that. Next verse. This is the part that is so radical, you wouldn't believe it if it were in the book. The angel said, or whoever that was, that the interpretation of what he saw was that the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. And you kind of want to raise your hand and say, excuse me, I don't get it because I know what I saw. I saw the ancient of days. 
I saw the Son of Man. I saw the Son of Man. I saw one Son of Man. And that one Son of Man came to the one Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days gave to the one Son of Man the kingdom. And you're telling me, angel, that the interpretation of what I saw was that the saints of the Most High would receive the kingdom. Don't you know that you are the body of Christ? That what Jesus received, you received. That you are joint heirs with him. So that when Jesus received the kingdom, his body also received the kingdom. If you want a scripture for it, Luke 12, I think it is, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I will tell you, you are joint heirs with him. What Jesus received, you received. You know, one of the neat questions that I had for the Lord, and sometimes I just, you know, you ask questions, and the Lord just gives you answers. It's really neat. Um, I was wondering, where in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Scriptures, is the concept of joint heir? Where, where is that? Because sometimes, I will tell you, it's direct revelation, and it's not in the Old Testament. In other words, the apostles got it directly. Other times, it's, it's a hint. And many times, frankly, most of the time, it's in there somewhere. It's, it's hinted somewhere. Well, one of the places is right here. You see that? The Son of Man received the kingdom, but, the, but, but actually, the angel said, the saints of the Most High received the kingdom. Um, and I always tell you, if you look, look at verse 21. He keeps talking about this. He says, I kept looking. The horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Now, beware, saints, that you do not say that's for the future. Because Jesus said, now is judgment come to the world. The cross is the judgment of the world. See, a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ are looking for this to happen in the Antichrist in the future. And so from their view, the saints have not received the kingdom. That is not accurate. The the truth is, is now judgment has come upon the world through the cross. Jesus now has risen from the dead and received the kingdom. And we are now the body of Christ. And we are now joint heirs with Christ. And we need to both receive and possess. And Joshua says to us, how long will you put off possessing what God has given you? How long will you put off possessing? How long will you put off possessing? Um, how long will you put off possessing? The other scripture that I want to share with you just on where is this in the Bible? Remember Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 55? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, you know, the scripture that so clearly talks about the crucifixion. Listen to this little scripture at the very end of Isaiah 53, You just so you'll know to find it. Verse... 12. Remember, I was looking for, Lord, where in the Old Testament is the joint heir truth found? Isaiah 53, in verse 12, it says, Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong. See, he receives, and then he divides to others. He's a joint heir. He will share what he gets. Now, I'm not saying that we're become the Messiah. There's only one Jesus. There's only one king. But what I'm telling you is, is that you are joint heirs with the heir of all things. You are joint heirs with your elder brother. How long will we wait to possess? Okay, now, my last little thought I want to share with you is, is about Brazilian money. My wife and I have been... Um, 
We've, we've traveled to Brazil a couple of times, and it depends on how you pronounce it. We pronounce it Hayes. It's actually spelled R-E-A-L, but apparently the R is an H sound, and if you talk to real Brazilians, they don't pronounce it that way, but you know, non-Brazilian people that don't speak Portuguese, Hayes or rails, how you want to pronounce it, but it's their dollar, okay? And you know, when you go to a foreign country, you, you convert some money so you can buy Cokes and whatever and food, and, and if you... And if you don't plan ahead, you know, you always want to take the coins home because they're souvenirs, but if you don't plan ahead, sometimes you bring back paper, right? And I got to tell you, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truism. Even in Orlando, this is true. Walmart will not take Brazilian money in America. It doesn't work. Did you know that if you go in there and you try to pay for anything in America with Brazilian money, they will not take it. You can go to a bank and get it cash back, but you cannot spend Brazilian money in America. You have to spend Brazilian money in Brazil. I will tell you, there is an aspect of the inheritance that you can only spend in this world. I will tell you, there is an aspect of the kingdom that they don't need in heaven, but you need here. And here's the, here's the not fear, but concern I have. I do not want to go to heaven and see warehouses of my inheritance that the Lord says, you could have you spent it. Your bank account was a lot. You just didn't use it. it was, see, there's an aspect of your inheritance that you can spend in this life. And I want to spend every bit of my inheritance. Um, what am I talking about? Let me ta- I'm going to tell you, this is, it's so radical, you just got to get your hands around it. Check, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's like Brazilian money. You got to use it here. Um, did you know that the Spirit of God fills heaven, right? But did you know that, I mean, you know this, but just remember, Jesus said, if you drink of me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You know, heaven doesn't need more rivers. We need more rivers here, right? So there are business meetings that you're in. There are classrooms. Wherever you go in life, they need you to carry the glory. They need you to carry the river. They need to, here's what, here's, I mean, it's like, you know how, I was thinking about this, like, it, you know, when somebody collapses and they have a heart attack and something, they say, is there a doctor in the house? You know, we need to have the mentality is, is there an heir in the house? Is there an heir? Is, is there anyone here that's an heir of the heir of all things? Listen to, listen to Paul's attitude in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He's talking about his ministry and he says, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Get this, listen, listen. This is what I'm talking about being an heir. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. I'm like a rich uncle. I have access to all things. Jesus said this. I mean, you just got to believe it. Jesus said that if I come into a house that's worthy, I can say, peace, Peace, I don't have to do this. I can just say peace, right? I don't have to do the hand-waving. But I could just say, peace be to this house. And Jesus himself said, peace will fill the house. How could that be? I'm an heir of the heir of all peace. I, I'm, I'm a carrier. I'm a FedEx package, man. I'm, I'm UPS. I have a brown suit on. I have packages to deliver. And if I can walk into a room and I say, I have an inheritance. Peace be to you. Peace comes. And you know what? There's a warehouse of peace packages. And if I don't deliver them here, you cannot deliver them there because I don't need them there. That's what I'm trying to say. I want us to spend, I want us to possess the inheritance and I want to spend it. And now I know, listen, for those that are thinking ahead with me, Second Peter says that 
you know, that God, we're kept by the power of God and, and our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven. I am aware that there's an aspect of our inheritance that is reserved for us in heaven, but there's an aspect of our inheritance that is right here. And you'll never spend it if you don't think you have it. Right? You never will. We got, let me just tell you, it's a challenging thing, but your theology has to address this scripture. One day at the Gate Beautiful, Peter and John came up to a guy who was lame. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But I am an heir. Because he said this, what I have, I give to you. He did not say what I can go get. He didn't say what I can ask to come. He said, I have something. I possess it. Joshua said, how long will you wait to possess the inheritance? Peter actually said this. He said, what I have, I give to you. And I will tell you, if you, if you have a poverty mentality, either, either in the focus of if you believe Jesus is not the heir of all things, you'll never get there. But even believing he's the heir of all things, if you believe he's the heir in the future, you'll never get there. He has to be the heir now. And you have to believe that you're the joint heir now so you can be and stand right next to Peter and say, I'm an heir. What I have, I give you. I actually have something now. I'm not waiting in heaven to get it. You actually have it now. It is a change the way you think. You know the word repentance is not a religious word. Repentance is, the the Greek word repent is actually two words together. It's meta, which is change, like metamorphosis, meta, and noeo, which is your mind. It's change the way you think. Look, change the way you think. You're a joint heir with him now. Martha, I am the resurrection of life now. Jesus said it this way. This is so hot. Jesus said, you say, Four months, harvest will be ready. You're always talking about the future. You're always saying the promises of God are true for you in the future. Jesus said, change the way you think. Lift up your eyes and look again. The harvest is ready now. I will tell you, this church, this body, is in this, man, whirlwind of revelation of the grace of God. And what I'm excited about is, This is the real gospel. I'm excited about is, is when you mix grace and faith, when you bring the future into the present in a place of grace, when you know that you're righteous and there's nothing separating you from God at all, and you know that you've received forgiveness of sin and you've also received the inheritance, I'm not talking about for me. I may be poor. I'm not turning the spigot on me. I'm not getting anything that's for me. What I'm saying is, is that I may be poor, but I'm making many rich. I'm an heir of God. Is there an heir in the room? Yes, I'm here. Peter says, what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up. It's hot. It's the truth. It is, you're in the book. You're in the book when you do that. So I just, I want to encourage you. I just, I I see, um, I will tell you, this is, you know, it's in the Bible. I'm also reading it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a, it's a way of thinking, though. See, it's, it's to break out of the poverty mentality. It's a very religious mentality that it's not today. It's in the future. See, it's very safe. Let me tell you, the Pharisees had this mistake. The Pharisees believed the book, their book. They believed in the Messiah. They did. They just didn't believe it was coming to pass today. See, there is a risk for you and me that we, that we, we are people of the book. We're people of the word. We believe the word is true, but we place the fulfillment of God's promises in the future, and the future will never come 
See, you've got to bring the future and the present. Let me tell you this. This is hot. This is neat. This is not original with me, but I'll just tell you this is another one that's just neat. Mary at the wedding feast. They were out of wine. And uh, Mary said, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, what does that have to do with me? Clearly, he was saying, it's not time. I'm, I'm not starting my ministry now. It's not time. You know, Jesus never lied, right? He always told the truth. It wasn't time, right? He got, didn't play games. He was telling the truth. But something happened because Mary somehow must have prayed to the Father and said, make it time. <laughs> Bring the future into the present, please. Let me read to you last scripture, 1 Corinthians. And, and it became time, somewhere between, what is that for me, and go fill six pots. It became time. I, 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 I would tell you, I think there would be an explosion in this fellowship. And not that you are people of faith. I'm not saying that, but there's a revelation of the promises of God are true now. Jesus is true now. Well, I'm in air now. And, and there's nothing separating from me. See, before it was like, it was before, is it, am I right with God? Am I forgiven? Because if I'm not forgiven, I have no, no hope. But, but so like, okay, except in this huge, large room, I'm forgiven. But it's like you're in a room and it's not time yet. No, 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 it is time yet. You are an heir now. Okay, listen, last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I promise I'll quit. I will tell you, this is in the Bible. It is in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this, verse 21. So let so then let no one boast in God. I mean, and boast in men. Forgive me. Let no one boast in men. Verse twenty one. As heirs, you guys, he says this: for all things belong to you. All things belong to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, get this: or the world belongs to you. Life belongs to you. We will raise the dead. We will raise the dead or I'm going to pray for a lot of dead people. Jesus said, raise the dead. Life belongs to you, he says. Death, listen to this. Things present, okay, what's next? Are things to come. All things belong to you. By the way, you remember what Jesus said? The Spirit will come and he will show you things to come. All things belong to you. But does that make us like crazy people? No, because we belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. As poor, yet making many rich. As possessing nothing, yet possessing all things. Death may work in me. I, I may, my life, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about changing my economic status. I'm not talking about me becoming a wealthy man. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about is, is that I'm going to make many rich. I'm going to bring much because you and I are heirs of the one who's been appointed heir of all things. It's the truth. Let's pray. Lord, I just, I pray, sir, in the name of Jesus, that you would give us revelation, just revelation, Lord, that you, first of all, are the heir of all things, that all things have been placed into your hands. You have it all. You are the heir of all things, and you and your love and your mercy have made me an heir with you. Lord, I pray that you would destroy, God, I ask that you would destroy um, strongholds of poverty, in, in, the, in poverty of spirit, Lord, in the sense that, 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 that we're not worthy or that we don't have anything to give. Lord, I pray that you would tear those things down to the obedience of Christ, that we are joint heirs with you. Lord, I pray that you would tear down that poverty mentality that we are, do not have anything to give. And Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities to deliver the inheritance. 
Lord, I ask that we would deliver the inheritance. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that we could empty our warehouses and spend as much of my inheritance as I can spend. Show me how to do it, Lord. Show me how to do it. Thank you for these, these people, Lord. Thank you for your family. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all.